In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WABA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WABA. My name is Dennis Williams. I am Director of Ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to greet you and welcome you to this good news for the city. It's good to be back. Hey, by the way, Brian, I'm going to say it early, buddy. It's good to see your face again. God yeah. bless you, man. Yeah. I haven't been around a little, in a little while. Yeah, we took a little bit of a break in that way, and I have to tell you, uh, doing the show solo, I, I know I need you, but man, I just made it really, really clear. So I'm sure our listeners are very happy uh, to hear your voice again. So thanks for being back. Well, at least you at least you said you need me, man. And like, gosh, it stinks to see you again, Dennis. But <laughs> let me, before I go there, let me finish this stuff. Hey, folks, this is not a surprise to you unless you've been living under a rock or you haven't watched the news or you haven't listened to radio or TV or any of that. Um, you know, in cities like Portland, Oregon and Chicago, Illinois, even right here in Washington, D.C., we are still seeing protests and demonstrations that stem from the killing of folk like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. I hear more about that every day, and it kind of sickens me, and I'm, uh, that's just such a sad part of our history right now. And so, you know, on Good News for the City, we talk about this. We've talked about this a good deal, and we're going to do that again today. Joining us today is someone who is working toward this effort of helping and healing because we want a solution-based um, issue when we come to this because there's always hope in Jesus. And this person believes that the church should be leading the way in all of this. And so, hey, to get us going, to start us off, to introduce our guest for today, one more time is my good buddy, my friend whom we have missed one another, um, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Good to see you, buddy. God bless, man. Yeah, it's only been two minutes and I still missed you. It didn't change. So that's good, right? <laughs> You know what's amazing, though, is in that two minutes, I think my hair has grayed more. Well, I'm not getting in the midst of that because I, right, I have discovered that, that alone. just recently as I was graying, I was walking down uh, the Amazon virtual aisles and I got caught down the rabbit hole. And for the first time in my life, I thought that just for men might be just for me. But we'll go to that at a different <laughs> time. Uh, but I, I am, uh, again, today... I, I'm so interested in our conversation today because yes, we've been yes. dealing with race relations and we've been dealing with social justice and our responsibility as communicators of the gospel over and over again, we have opportunities to look at these very complicated, very complex issues from different angles. And so we have another one today that we've talked a little bit about in the past, but we haven't been on this from this particular approach in a while. And so I'm excited to have Justin Gibney with us today. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and then we're going to hop in and, and talk about uh, what's known as the Ann Campaign and who he represents there. But he's an attorney and political strategist in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he's managed successful campaigns for elected officials in the state and referendums relating to the city's transportation and water infrastructure. In both 2012 and 2016, uh, Georgia's 5th Congressional District elected him as a delegate uh, for the Democratic National Convention. He served as the co-chair uh, of Obama for America's Gen 44 Atlanta Initiative. 
He's a former Vanderbilt University football player and law student. Uh, so right. SEC guy uh, in that yeah, way, yeah. right? All Justin right. served on the Urban League of Greater Atlanta Board of Directors. Additionally, he's participated in Lead Atlanta, Outstanding Atlanta, and the Georgia Bar Association's Leadership Academy. He's written op-eds for publications such as Christianity Today, and he's the co-author of the new book, Compassion and Conviction, The Anne Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement. He is also the president of the Anne Campaign. Uh, so, Justin, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for being here and uh, for uh, just helping us grasp maybe some things that we don't grasp really well. I'm excited about how you're going to bring some insight to us today. But for those of us who uh, may have never heard about the AND campaign, or now it's the very first time in this show, would you just kind of give us a little insight of what the AND campaign is all about and what sort of its purposes are? Sure. Well, guys, thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with uh, to be speaking with you today. Uh, the AND campaign is is a Christian civic organization that really is focused on bringing the compassion and conviction of the gospel into the public square. And the main reason that we came into the conversation and thought something different was necessary is because our political landscape kind of has a false dichotomy where people think you either have to be for justice or you have to be for more order. And so the AND campaign literally means justice and more order, compassion and conviction. We think that if you look at the gospel, if you look at the walk of Jesus, those things go together. They are not mutually exclusive, but they are interdependent. And so we try to raise civic literacy among Christians, but also help them apply their values to the issues of the day and get engaged in the issues of the day, because we think Christians have a unique perspective that needs to get out there. Yeah, it's a great reminder of uh, the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, when people say, hey, what are we supposed to do as followers of God? And the prophet said, hey, he's told you already, you are to do justice, walk humbly, and love mercy. And I love there's an and in there, uh, and I think that it's very clear that we can't be just unidimensional in how we approach these ideas and these struggles. So let's talk about the church for a second, especially about the church's role and responsibility. And it comes to the political uh, arena, when it comes to the public square, There's a lot of differing ideas about how a church should, or in some cases, some people believe completely not, engage in this idea of being active politically. What do you say about that? I think if the church is not active politically, then we are being poor stewards of of the influence and and some of the resources that we've been given. Look, the fact of the matter is, is that politics touches every aspect of life, whether we like it or not. And it it gives Christians a robust opportunity to have an impact and to help their neighbor, to protect human dignity and to promote human flourishing. If we don't take those opportunities again, I think we're remiss and we're missing a huge opportunity to love our neighbor. And we think that happens in many instances with action, uh, social action. Which is really interesting. I think we have this tendency as human beings, maybe you would agree or not, is that when we see something that isn't working well, we have a tendency to throw a baby out with the bathwater. So if we look at the political arena, we look at the public square and how it's, and we make this assessment, it is not working well. Our job isn't necessarily to throw it out and say we're not supposed to use it, but rather as callers of the gospel, reformers, is to get engaged and say, how is something that God has created? And we look at government, and part of government is politics, and God has created that. How are we supposed to be actively involved in a good way? What would you say about that? We're the salt. Uh, yeah. So just because we see something that is infected, the salt, you would you would say, is there to disinfect it. Yeah. Uh, we're the light. Just because politics is dark, that just means it needs us more. It's not a reason to run away from it. But to the point of that some people make, it is something we need to watch out for, because I, I think within Christianity also, we have been we have misused and been abused by politics. And so we do have to be careful. 
I, I yeah. do take that point, but we should not run away from it. And we shouldn't, in the same respect, we shouldn't away, run away from the justice conversation just because there are some distorted conceptions of justice out there as well. Yeah, we've talked already just a little bit about this idea of the political arena. Let, let's talk about another part of the and, the justice, right? That, that talk about engaging the culture. Why is it important for people to also uh, not just engage politics in some ways or ignore it if they were wrongly ignoring it, but to engage the culture? What, why is it important? What does that look like in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we, you know, when we're always seeking political solutions, we miss the fact, we miss the relational fact, the fact that the people that we work with, we go to school with, we have an impact on them just by our daily interactions. And so when we lean on the political side of it too much, we're forgetting that there's a more personal interaction that we need to have that seems, you know, it seems less like we're, we're trying to compel or impose something on people rather than per- to persuade them in conversations and just what we do in our general life. Uh, culture should be upstream from politics. Sometimes that's not the case. But if we believe that it should be, then we need to interact in culture as well, because it in different ways kind of sets the mores of society. And we need to be engaged in that, too, because everything doesn't have to be a legal or political solution. Yeah, and I think as individuals, we all have a particular personality traits that lend us to one way of approaching versus the other, whether it's more a personal approach through relationships or whether it's a corporate approach through reforming politics or a political arena. But what I hear you saying is that it, it's not just one or the other. Again, it's an and. We have to engage in both ways. And one of the goals that, I, as I read, as I was looking at uh, some of the things here, the end campaign and, and other things that you made available for us, is that uh, your desire is to disrupt America's socio-political arena by asserting justice and righteousness of Jesus. Sometimes people read words and they read like disrupt and they immediately jump to one definition in their mind of disruption, Mm. not really understanding what the person who's actually writing that represented what they mean. So what do you mean by this term disrupting this socio-political arena? Yeah, well, number one, if we look in the Bible, when when we see disruption, it's not always a bad thing, right? If there's iniquity, then there needs to be a disruption that that actually can be a positive thing. But what we're saying is that we think that a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians have allowed their political affiliation to become religious in nature. Mm -hmm. And so what we want Christians to do is step back, realize that your party and your ideological tribe is flawed, and that you have to be Christian first. And in the book and other ways and through our other content, we're trying to show Christians what it looks like to be Christian first. It means that you should be able to have a conversation with a Christian in another party and have a lot in common. And the conversation just shouldn't stop at what party are you in or who did you vote for? Yeah. Do you run into that a lot, Justin? I mean, do you get folks that say, um, wow, I can't believe that you can be a Christian and be a Democrat or you can be a Christian and you can be a Republican? Because I have, in my life, I've run into that. Um, so I'm sure you have because you're out there in front of it. Yeah, all the time, Dennis. We hear that quite a bit. And, and, I, and I get where it comes from to some extent. But sure. the problem is you don't know that much about me by my political party. That should be the case because my political party is not part of my identity. So yes. for the Democrats, yes. you know, where they fall short on religious liberty, where they fall short on uh, pro-life issues, I'm very vocal about that. And so that's not part of my identity and who I am. My party is really just a tool that I use. And so if we, we assume too much from someone's party, uh, then I think we can run into trouble. But unfortunately, some people's identity is connected to their party. And I think that's where that assumption comes from. Christians yes. should show that that's a false assumption. That's so a great run, answer. Thank you. Yeah, let's run with that identity for a little bit if we can, because um, I think uh, Pastor Tony Evans, is, he's pretty famous at talking about no modifier before Christian. 
It's yes. Christian first, right? And so whether we use the term Democratic Christian, Republican Christian, Independent Christian, you know, liberal Christian, conservative Christian, you know, libertarian Christian, there's so many things. But you actually have a term that you use in your website, and I don't mean this negatively, that has a modifier, urban Christian. And I know you're not saying urban before Christian, but what you are trying to do is trying to describe, I think, something very specific in a group of people. Can you define that for us? Yeah, I think what we're getting at with that is that this, you know, within Christianity, there are contexts. Mm -hmm. And so what this, what we come from is kind of the more black traditional church context. And so we're trying to let people know that uh, because I do think that's important to understand context in, in what people are saying. Now we're very inclusive, but we did think it was important for people to know this is where the root of what we're doing comes from, because it just, mm -hmm. it just provides you with an understanding of kind of how we, how we view, you know, what angle we view, view things from, but the Bible is the Bible. We're biblical Christians. We're small Orthodox Christians. And so very much inclusive, but that's just helpful for people to have context. And context matters. I mean, you know, you as a lawyer by trade, and I'm sure you just like, you know, you have to define your terms. Uh, one of the things that when I was writing my uh, doctoral dissertation, I had to define my terms, and that's partially giving context to what you're engaging. And I think that is part of our challenge sometimes, as you mentioned earlier on, we develop preconceived ideas about people just by hearing an adjective before their name, whether it is Democrat, whether it is Republican, whether it is liberal, or whether it is conservative, whatever word you want. And we begin to uh, put them in a category without getting to know them individually yes. and missing this sort of identity. And, and I think this is, you know, part of this challenge um, that, you know, some people do not want politics and faith to mix because it can be uncomfortable. One of the things that I love that what you said on your website is that good policy does not justify bad politics or said a different way from an ancient philosopher, the ends don't justify the means. Machiavelli, oh, he used to say the ends did justify the means. We would say biblically, that's not how this works. And so again, this idea that some people have just kind of thrown this out because this idea that politics and faith have, be created, have become a religion of its own, unfortunately, sometimes. What would you say to someone who would say, because of it, you know, and because of all of this sort of difficulty, I'm just going to not engage at all. And I talked about that a little bit, but especially when we get in this idea of when politics becomes someone's faith instead of following Jesus Christ becoming their faith. Yeah, I mean, we live in a broken world. So I, I don't know how Christians would participate in anything, even within themselves, right? If we were worried about it being, being broken, mm -hmm. we believe that we believe in redemption. Uh, we believe that we can make things better, even though we know things won't be perfect today. And so your neighbor needs you, the children suffering uh, uh, somewhere in your city needs you. Mm -hmm. And I think we, you know, when we look through the gospel, when we look through the Old Testament, the Bible in general, when people need you and you can do something, you know, there's something that you can do within your sphere of influence you need to do it. Uh, yeah, it you know, is. First John it 3 is. talks about that quite clearly. And so that's what I would say. But to those who have allowed their politics to become part of our, their identity and take them away from the cross, I say this, our witness has to always be more important than winning. Mm -hmm. And so when, you know, I'm a, I'm a political strategist. I don't ever strategize to lose. But when in conflict, I have to take a loss in order for my witness to be clear because that's what's going to be lasting. That win could last for six months or a year and it'll go away. But that witness really speaks to who Christians are. Yeah, that's, that's a good reminder, yeah. witness before winning uh, in, in that way. I, I think I'm going to steal that for a sermon at some point, Justin. I'll try to make sure I'll, uh, I'll give you proper credit when we do that. Now, you have co-authored a book titled, as I said earlier, on Compassion and Conviction, the End Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Eng Engagement. I could probably guess what some of that inspiration is based on what we've talked about already and, and some of the you know, feedback that I get as a pastor about 
you know, I, I can say something and it's, it's too much or it's not enough or about time, Pastor, he shouldn't have stepped in there. I, I think you, you probably uh, stepped in those waters a few times in your life. But what was your particular inspiration to write this book? Well, we had, I mean, we had pastors coming up to us from different churches, basically saying that after the 2016 election, they literally had their congregants fighting in the church about the, you know, about the election. And we said, you know what, we've got to come out of 2020 better than we came out of 2016, regardless of what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to do was give Christians a framework. We wanted to, you know, one of the problems that we have is that we don't necessarily put things in the proper order. And so we want folks to let, let folks know that, yes, I mean, I spend my life talking about politics is important, but it's not an ultimate thing. And so we have to put it in that perspective, but also know that the gospel has political implications that we should be involved. But unless you line those things up right, I think we end in a bad place and in a situation where, you know, we're fighting our brothers and sisters instead of praying with them and fellowshipping with them uh, to, to make things better. Yeah, and I think that's a that's just a really good point that you keep driving home. And I feel like I'm your biggest cheerleader today, and I am in some ways, because uh, we think very similar. And, you know, of course, we always like people that think like we do. But, you know, that politics is a tool of the gospel. It is not a replacement of the gospel uh, in, in that way. And especially when we think about it in a uniquely American context, when we think of the original writings to the people who were under Roman oppression, they didn't have a lot of political engagement as slaves or as people who weren't citizens of Rome or multiplicity of things. So thinking of it as a tool and, and then pray for each other and be with there. In fact, you uh, on your and campaign, you talk about the prayer and justice initiative. What exactly uh, is that and how this plays into the conversation we've been having already? Yeah, the Prayer and Action Justice Initiative is an initiative and, and, and campaign is just one partner. We're not, you know, we're not uh, over it, but mm -hmm. it's we've brought together really an unprecedented group of faith organizations and leaders to say, no one should be unclear about where the church stands on justice. And no one should be unclear that we're going to pray because we think prayer is very important, but we're also going to act. And we want to make sure that our criminal justice system is as just as possible. As you know, the Bible is full of uh, uh, false imprisonments or unjust imprisonments. We should care about those things. If we care about families, we shouldn't want people uh, taken out of their families for longer than they should be taken out of their families. These things are all connected, but it's time for the church to be clear. And I think it's time for us to lead on this issue when it comes to policy change and helping other churches. But we can't lead if we're if we're divided. We don't have the credibility to lead if we're divided. So we're asking the church to unite. And I think from the groups that we brought together, you see where we're uniting and then to work in, in different faith groups and in different cities to change policy, to make sure that we're loving our brother and nobody's confused about where we stand on justice. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You know, Romans chapter eight talks about how God can work all things together for good. And I'm, I'm really want to be careful how I say this. I can't see a lot of good in the murder of an innocent uh, unarmed black man named George Floyd. However, some of the things that at least from my corner of the world that I believe has been a catalyst is a lot of people who could, and I use the term ignorance in its, its most innocent term, just lack of knowledge about some of the things that you're talking about, beginning to wake up and say, oh, I didn't even realize due to the color of my skin or my socioeconomic status or where I grew up, so to speak, um, that there was these type of issues that you're talking about, that you know, wrongful imprisonment or, or jail or whatever those sort of things. And so what are some of the things that you have specifically been encouraged by in these last several months when there's so much to be discouraged by, and we don't want to discount that at all, 
when we think about some things that have been happening as you've been working in partnership, because you're working here in the greater Washington, D.C. area and partner with One Heart D.C., one of the co-sponsors of this show, Good News for the City with WAVA, talk about how you're seeing some of those and how these partnerships are working to make a difference. It's great. I mean, we've just seen, you know, we were all forced because of COVID to really look at some of this racialized violence and deal with in a way that we hadn't had to deal with it before. And I'm appreciative of how the church has responded during uh, the COVID, when the COVID crisis first began, we started raising, we had a, uh, something called churches helping churches. We started raising money for at risk churches in these low income areas because they were going to need some help. And we raised $1.3 million from a variety mm. of demographics because people were serious about this issue and they were really paying attention. So that told me that there was an opportunity to come together. I really think that when we talk about racial reconciliation, fellowship is great. The prayer is, is, is uh, essential, but we also need to talk about things like like policy and, and, and resources. And when we can have those conversations and stand together and advocate together, now we're talking about something that really can move and, and change where the church is at right now. Yeah, and I, I believe you mentioned the COVID response and those sort of things. I think one of the interesting things about this time is, is that for all of us, I mean, even right now, how we're communicating and doing this radio show or podcast or everyone one's taking it in on their own is it's completely different because of COVID. Our lives have changed and in many ways, it has allowed us uh, some margin to think about things that because of the busyness we try to shove into our lives, many times in the past, a lot of these issues would come up, but they kind of worked a little bit like fireworks. They, they made a big explosion, but then as soon as it was, the explosion was done, people forgot about them. They were on to the next thing. Uh, in the COVID scenario, people being quarantined or not being too much, it's allowed uh, better time, I think, uh, for people to process about that. And we're beginning already to see some hope in some change. You talked about a little bit uh, already um, the hope in when we mention things like political tension, when we mention things like racial tension in the country, uh, it, it's really easy to get stuck into all the things that aren't going. But say in the last minute, minute and a half or so, as someone who has, has his sleeves rolled up and been putting in the work in this area, would you encourage our listeners uh, about hope? That's actually one of the pillars of uh, One Heart DC, hope. Yeah, I mean, hope is essential. And in one way that I put it is I talk a lot about um, moral imagination. And I think when we have faith, we have moral imagination, not to see just what was, not to see what is presently, but what ought to be. Um, and so Christians should have hope because uh, through kind of the, our relationship with God and sharing some of the attributes of God, we should be able to envision more than what the world sees. That mm -hmm. things, that it doesn't just have to be an exchange of power, but that we can actually see redemption. And so we are looking for that type of redemption and Christians should have hope that, that we can make it happen. The beauty of it is there are biblical Christians on both sides of the, uh, the aisle. And if we were to come together, we could really make a change. And I think on, in a more practical way, that should really give us hope. Mm, yeah. Now, I'm going to keep going back to that statement that you said, uh, witness before winning, witness before winning, uh, and, and the way to think about that. Justin, just thanks for, for being a part. I mentioned already, I think Dennis is going to mention again, though, if people want to know more, uh, about the AND campaign, you can go to the AND, A-N-D, campaign.com. That's all word, one word, the AND campaign. I thought about that as well as uh, you could uh, find out about your new book, Compassion and Conviction, the AND campaign's guide to faithful civic engagement. Um, you can go to ivpress.com forward slash compassion forward slash conviction. I'm assuming it's probably also available on other platforms, uh, but uh, that'd be the first place uh, that we would push you to. Thank you again for just reminding us and encouraging us in the work that you're doing with the end campaign, but not just with the end campaign in your own personal life uh, to make a difference. So we really appreciate it. Uh, Dennis, Thanks, Brian and Dennis, I appreciate, appreciate you guys. 
Yeah, Dennis, it's been good to be able to see you again today, brother. Man, it's good to be back and get my mind on some different things, and uh, I'm just grateful. Justin, buddy, brother, God bless you, man. It's, uh, it's really good to see a friend from my second hometown, Atlanta, Georgia. I spent a lot of time there. I love Atlanta, so it's great to see you. And, and Brian, brother, I agree, man. I love that. As a matter of fact, I wrote it down, witness before winning. If we could just, I mean, if we don't take anything else away today, I'm going to take a lot. But if we don't take anything else, if we could just remember that, wouldn't that be amazing? Witness before winning. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Thank you. God bless you, man. It was great to have you. Folks, great to have you. I'd love to see you again next week, of course. And as Brian mentioned, let me give it one more time, theandcampaign.com to get more information about Justin and about what's going on here, theandcampaign.com. If you want to listen to this again, and I think it's worth another listen, by the way, Go to goodnewsforthecity.com, or you can go to wava.com, look under our podcast page, put in the keyword good news, or you can always give me a call at the, at the radio station. I get my voice messages every day, um, 703-807-2211. God bless you, folks. Thank you again. Justin, Brian, thank you again. And remember, everybody, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.